Top Gun, Kate Bush, what year is it? High resolution color graphics. This land of high technology. The revolution in technology that made the information age possible. Those kids are not afraid of computers. A musical interlude. Forever, Cade. It's time to kick ass and chew popcorn. And I'm all out of popcorn. All this and more on This Week in Retro. Up-to-date news for out-of-date tech. Hello, guys. I hope you've had a good week. I am yeah. on a high, quite literally, because last night I went to see Top Gun. And I think, Basically. Chris, you've been to see it already? You, you've both seen it, have you? Am I the last? I saw it Saturday. I saw it, it Saturday. Was, I saw it. The date was released. Everything oh. I expected of it. Nice. Cheese. Uh, I don't think there was any dialogue for the first 10 minutes or so. It was just, you know, the shots of Tom Cruise on his motorbike, Tom Cruise by an aeroplane. And in fact, the whole film could have just been called Tom Cruise's face because it was just yes. close-ups of Tom Cruise's <laughs> face in a plane on a bike, you know, walking, uh, staring off wistfully into the distance, Tom Cruise's face. Um, but yeah, uh, Lily came with me with low expectations and came out loving it as well. It was just a good cheese fest so nice. i was happy with my top gun experience yeah i think it's a film that's greater than the sum of its parts if that makes sense um mm -hmm. it can it, it, yeah. it works much better than it should lots of yeah, callbacks but then they also explain all of the callbacks for people yeah. because you know there's there's a yeah. anyone under the age of what 35 <laughs> won't yeah you know i'm not saying they won't have seen it because it's such a famous film but they wouldn't have seen it first time round in the cinemas certainly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what have you guys film. been up to, Chris? What have you been doing this week? Well, I also watched Top Gun. So, I assume, did you run straight to the RAF recruit, recruiting office and just beg them to do <laughs> a job as a fighter pilot straight off? I didn't. Just I didn't, out of interest. I did, I did when I was a kid. When I was yeah. 19, I went to an RAF recruitment office. I think I've told you this story. It was on a Saturday and it was closed. Oh, so that was it. That was it. <laughs> that I went to one straight out of attempt. school. So I would have been about, well, that would have been about 16, 17. I went straight into one and signed it. I just wanted to be a, a fighter pilot, of course, like we all did back then. And um, allergies, yes, hay fever. Sorry, you can't be a fighter pilot. So that was the oh, end of that. And shattered. That, that and the fact that they really wanted exceptional grades, as, you, as you'd well know. And I was not achieving those grades at school, Neil. <laughs> it just wasn't going to happen. But anyway, it's nice to dream. Uh, but yeah, so other, other than watching Top Gun and wishing I was a fighter pilot, although one that only flies fighter jets and doesn't get shot at, that's the kind of perfect scenario fighter pilot I would like to be. Um, just spending more time in shoot 'em up construction kit mainly this week, trying to finish a damn game that I need to give to uh, Richard Shears when I get over there. So, yep, promised. A promise made is a promise kept. Let's get that game done and, uh, yep, hand that over to him. Well, you, you've promised to make Richard a, a game, have you? <laughs> yes. It was a no, giveaway I did last year. <laughs> oh, okay. So it was a competition and there was a, you know, a, you know, pull a name out of a hat from those that entered the competition, essentially, and Richard won. Um, and at the time I'd started the game, which I was open with, you know, hadn't finished it. It's now six months after, well, more than six months after, and I still haven't finished this game. But it's getting there. And I did promise, because it, it has to be with shoot 'em up construction kit, I did promise that it would be rubbish. And I believe I can stick to it. Oh, that, yeah, so. it's got to be yeah, rubbish. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's nearly there, Rich. It's nearly there. Good. For those who don't know Richard, he's a regular listener and a very active member of the Discord community and the RMC patron community and all of that. Um, hello, Richard, if you're listening. So uh, it better be a good game for him. And uh, he's a big fan of Elmo, so I'm guessing Elmo's involved yes. somewhere in the game. No, 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 because I'd already no. chosen the theme for the game. No, no special okay. treatment for Rich, no. Uh, maybe I'll throw an Elmo in. Uh, maybe I can fit one in. 
I've just had an idea. Okay. Be nice. <laughs> Dave, Dave, what have you been up to this week? I have finished building my Windows XP computer. I have a, a proper Silverstone Fortress case. It's the great big black one. Um, I've got a um, Socket 775 in there. I've got a, an 8800. I've got a Creative XFi in there. So it's the it's the, the, the best Windows XP build I can get. Uh, and you I'm built really, it twice, really I understand, or at least installed Windows twice. I, I install Windows more than twice. Yeah, I <laughs> keep doing it until I get it exactly right. Trying to work out how to get all the the service packs and updates and so on on there. Uh, and I have used hot glue for the the cable management in the back, um, much to people's aghast. <laughs> but well, it if it's what you want it to be, that's all that matters. So uh, I hope you've got an image of it now. It's all set up and ready to go. <laughs> um, excellent. Right, let's get into t this week's first story then, shall we? This first story is a bit of a break from the norm. It was prompted by listener Squelch411, who submitted a video from one of our favourite video game music cover artists. That man is Banjo Guy Ollie, and I guess his choice of video is because Chris's favourite game or game series is Lotus Turbo Challenge. So he submitted the link to Lotus Turbo Challenge 2, covered by Banjo Guy Ollie, and said... It's not really a news story, just enjoy it. But it got me thinking, Ollie's been making video game covers for over eight years now, using everything from um, a whole cave full of traditional instruments that he's collected over the years, banjos, of course, as his name suggests, and, and also modern synths. And, um, well, before we go on, Duncan, if you wouldn't mind, if we could have a listen to uh, 60 seconds or so of, this is Banjo Guy's late Lotus Turbo Challenge 2 cover. Just uh, take this in for a second. Isn't it great hearing a super talented musician put the time and effort into covering retro game music? Chris, did you enjoy that one? I did actually. Yeah, this is really <laughs> cool. I must admit, this had come up in my feed several times, and I, I neglected to actually kick, click on it. So I'm glad it was sort of pointed out on the subreddit. Yeah, yeah, yeah it gave Ollie's me a reason brilliant. to actually listen to it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, he really is. I love hearing what Ollie does, and you should definitely check out his channel for everything from Turrican Two to R Type covers. Loads and loads in there. Uh, but this little musical submission to the subreddit, as I said, it got me thinking about video game tunes and um, also other cover artists because quite a few have popped up over the years. And we'll come on to some of those artists shortly, but let's open up the discussion. Um, and this is going to be the question of the week as well this week. So get your thinking hats on, everyone. Let's talk about good video game music. So not covers to start with, but the music in the games. Dave, let's start with you. Hit me with your favorites. Well, I've noticed that these these covers um, from Banjo Gaioli are getting really popular among young people on the instant TikToks, um, but they too tend to be console focused. So I, I'm more interested in the micro ones. But there are some I've come across in the past that are wonderful. And there's one in particular that I downloaded as an MP3 um, 
over 20 years ago, um, back when downloading an MP3 was a big thing. Um, and it was uh, from a guy called uh, Bart Klepka, and it was an OC remix of uh, Dune. The music in Dune is, is fantastic. So, oh, yeah. Um, I'll get Duncan to... Uh, to link it. Um, so Dave is holding up the big box of June on the, is that yeah. the Atari um, ST version? No, that the, the, the Atari ST didn't get it. Oh, it did was, it not? Uh, okay. No, it was the it was the Amiga and the the DOS version. Uh, the, the DOS version is the one to play because you right. get MT32 music So it came out on the Amiga, but the Atari couldn't handle it? No, the Atari, was, the Atari was pretty much dead by then. Um, so what happened was Atari ST people realised, do you know, this is over, let's move on. Whereas Amiga people, oh, no, 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 no. Let's try and use our, our operating system in 2022 like it can cope with it. There we go. That's got Dave animated. <laughs> carry um, on, carry on. But for the, the best music in games, though, uh, there's plenty of, of good 8 and bit, 8 and 16 bit tunes, but I don't really think they make or break the game so much as um, as they could. They often frustratingly stopped when you started playing or you had to choose between music or sound effects. Um, there are things like uh, Captain Blood on the ST that had Jean-Michel Jarre on it and you had the bitmaps putting dance tracks on, but I don't think it's quite as good as what happened with PC. So I'm going to mention uh, Ultima, and no apologies for mentioning Ultima again. I will mention it every time I'm on, I'm sure. Um, That's my Ultima, thing. <laughs> <laughs> Ultima 3, 4, and 5 had music, but I think if you go to Ultima 6 uh, for it to get really good, and then we had Ultima 7, Ultima Underworld, 1 and 2 came around, they, they were magical. Uh, the music really got you uh, interested and in, immersed in the game. Yeah, it, the, it was also dynamic, wasn't it? So Ultima 6, I think was when the music would change probably before but that's when i first noticed the music change when you got into a battle for example we would switch yes. to different yeah. music and when you yeah. moved into certain areas it would change the music as well um, yeah when you went to britannia you'd have that yes. music would kick in rule britannia would kick in yeah 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 um there was a fantastic period in, period in dos gaming where music was done in midi and for me that was initially through a, th a sound blaster through an opl3 uh, and then through general midi um so dune which i've already mentioned it's it's a wonderful adventure game which was massively inspired by the the david lynch film interpretation of the novel um great adventure game it's quite it's often overshadowed by dune 2 which came out around the same time which is a it's a great rts but i i think dune's a better game um um you have fps stuff like doom and quake and it was great and the music got you really in the mood and psyched up for it um and I think the peak might be the LucasArts iMuse system. Now, you mentioned dy Dynamic, Neil, and that's what this was. The iMuse system, which, yes, you got in the games that Chris wants to ban, uh, the point and clicks, but in a game <laughs> that I know Chris actually does like, um, it's his cup of kangaroo tea, it's TIE Fighter. Uh, now, TIE Fighter um, is a, a space combat, um, you could say simulator. I mean, I, I mean stretching to simulator but uh, i'm holding the box up now if you're watching the video um it's a fantastic game but what's so good about it is the imuse system mm. changes fluidly from one piece of music to another uh, to a, th a theme within the same piece of music uh, depending on what's happening and you can't tell you can't tell that the music is, is cutting and changing like it does in ultima 6 um it, it's, it smoothly goes from one bit to another. So if one of your wing men gets shot down, 
you get a little bit of a, a sad tune if the the rebel alliance uh come in if, if a whole fleet of rebel line ships comes in you get a, a slightly warped version of the the rebel theme from star wars um it, it's absolutely it, it, it really makes the game it's really so important to how good the game is um, that dave um i mean the, the star wars music is so good because it's so familiar yeah. and it can be used in so many different ways fast slow aggressive you know just gently tinkling in the background it works so well um before that i, I don't know if you remember when you loaded up wing commander it would come up with origin fx and you'd see this pixel orchestra and the guy yes. holding up the baton yeah. going tap 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 yeah. um and that was all about their dynamic music system as yeah. well. So a very similar game. Obviously, it came before TIE Fighter, mm-hmm. and that music would change dynamically. But I, I would pick TIE Fighter every time just because of that familiar Star Wars music, I think. Yeah, they, they got so much right in X-Wing, and then TIE Fighter was them getting it absolutely bang on. It's it's possibly... Is it my favourite? It's one of my favourite games. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it's my favourite game. One of my favourite games. I can't explain why, but when we dropped MIDI music in favour of CD audio, I didn't enjoy it quite so much. I don't know why. I can't tell you exactly why, but I do remember enjoying the Warcraft music. I'm sure there's lots of good ones out there, but I think the DOS period um, for Sound Blaster and MIDI um, or MT32 these days, which I as a luxury I have, um, thanks to Dale's thing, is, uh, is unique. On MIDI, um, I mean, you've obviously got very fond memories of MIDI. I always felt like I was slightly missing out when MIDI was included in DOS games, primarily because I always had a pretty budget sound card. So I always thought, oh, if only I had the All32 or the 64 or I had a sound canvas or, you know, something like that, I would hear this as it was meant to be heard. But as it happens, I've got this cheapy knockoff Sound Blaster clone and it sounds all right. But I always felt like, you know, I had a bit of FOMO, a bit of fear of missing out with it. I am. Um, I don't think I was that aware of Roland Sound um, when I had my Sound Blaster. Mm. So I, I, I certainly didn't get sound as good as as good as what as good as what I could have got with an MT32. But I fairly quickly had a sound card that did have general MIDI um, soft um, soft um, fonts on it. A wavetable, whatever we want to call it, mm-hmm. and that was, I think, that closes the gap more or less on the jet. It's not as good as an SC55, but it's a, it gets you close there. So, thankfully, I, I didn't really know I was missing out, or I would have mm-hmm. felt like you. Um, I would have mm-hmm. felt where's the rest of it. Yeah, no, I was the same on that. Um, yeah, it's not until recently, uh, from watching other people's YouTube videos, especially some of the stuff by Reese, um, Controller Reese, uh, where you yeah. get to hear things like, especially just doom and what it was meant to sound like whereas you know i was playing it on a sound blaster 16 or a sound blaster pro i I think um, totally different sound yeah doom and maybe a little bit after that maybe two or three years after that is that's when i started to find out that you know hang on it can sound even better Mm, Uh, so for me um the best music is is the dos period in um for for midi um so chris tell us about some cheesy amiga amiga tracker music <laughs> yeah well first not that i'm predicting I, but yeah i know I, I must echo what you said about it was x-wing for me rather than tie fighter yeah. but same thing that the, the way the music was dynamic was just amazing um but in terms of well, actually, first of all, I need to point out, you know, as I've mentioned before, I did favor listening to my own music instead of the game music a lot of the time. Um, and I've mentioned before playing things like Rage Against the Machine instead of the actual Doom music while playing Doom. 
There are lots of funny examples, but don't have time to go into all of them. So the one I've picked, and why these things stick in my memory, I don't know. But while I used to play Space Gun on the Amiga, I used to listen to Joyride by Roxette. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. But anyway, moving on to the actual question. No, not moving Um, on. Moving on. I'm going to share a secret with the world that I know about, Chris. Oh, no. You're you're a secret Roxette fan, aren't you? You told me. (laughs) Well, at the you time, told me offline once. Yeah, <laughs> I, there, I don't remember telling you that. <laughs> Some of the music I used to listen to, and I need to. I've had, oh, we don't have time to talk about this today. <laughs> but I'm thinking I need to put in a spreadsheet so that when the memories come back, I need to match the tunes because I think that's an interesting topic in its own right. What did you listen to whilst playing certain games? Anyway, moving on to the actual question before I really dig a hole for myself. Um, now, whenever this question gets asked for me, and prop number one for me this week, for those of you watching on the video it's captive but like you say dave yeah it's fantastic game and the intro music is amazing and not enough people rave about it i don't know if it's just me but it's just such a cool tune um and again i'll I'll add links to the show notes if um if duncan can link to them but um uh like you said though dave in um in games on the st and on the amiga you got it on the intro but then as soon as the game kicked off generally you lost it, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but that is one of my favorites. Another one I was playing about with just uh, the other week um, whilst making a video, and that was just revisiting Swiv, which, again, fantastic intro music. You do lose it once you get into the game, but I don't think that's a big loss because the sound effects on this game are just amazing. Absolutely love that as a shooter. Now, my weird example is this. <laughs> and it's it's this game. It's Kelly X. Not to be confused with, apparently Kelly X was also a title used for a beta of Xenon or something. I don't know, um, something I've discovered today whilst trying to find a link to the music for this. So Kelly X is is sort of a, I'm trying to get it without the glare of the light there. Um, it was a budget title, always was. <laughs> Should never have been anything else. Is that the me. Mastertronic label I can see there? Yeah, it's Mastertronic. Yep. yep. And what it is, is it's a, it's a 3D space shooter that basically steals everything from elite except the good bits. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh. so it's just, just the shooting, but not as good as it is in elite. Um, no space trading or docking or any of that. Um, so you think, okay, so it's just the exciting bits of elite. Well, no, but it's okay. If you just want a mindless blast, it's okay. Now, why am I bringing this up now? A, because again, it's one of those tunes. I would load the game up just to listen to the tune. Absolutely fantastic intro tune, but <laughs> so my friend lee from from secondary school he wanted an amiga um but obviously they were quite expensive and there was the perfectly fine um slightly cheaper alternative in the atari st so yeah. for christmas he uh his parents got him an atari st and that was absolutely fine i went over there and played games with him on his st he would come over mine play games on the amiga but the first i think it was actually the first game that we got where we both owned the same game was Kelly X. And if you can find a video of the Atari ST version of Kelly X, and I know they're not all as bad as this, Dave, so this isn't a poke. It's a bit of a poke. The music sounds like it's something that the C64 did, but worse. It, it really was terrible on this. And when he heard the Amiga rendition, that was the catalyst. Keeping in mind his Atari ST was a Christmas present. That ST was sold within about a month, and then Ooh. he moved oh. on to buying an Amiga. Just off the strength of bad budget game but just the sound difference now um um, some of the stuff you said earlier dave about um you know some of the other i think what was it um 
Oh no, it was a game I was looking up earlier. I think is it Captain Blood? Captain Dave Blood, yeah. Captain Blood, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. he did mention Captain Jean. Blood. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was I was having a poke around whilst actually trying to find the ST version of Kel, uh, Kelly X so I could listen to that tune again and, and compare the two. But I, I came across the music for Captain Blood on the ST. Now, that's fantastic. I never heard anything like that back in the day, and that certainly closes the gap. So, yes, I've had my probably my first decent poke at the ST so far, but do you know what? You know, kudos where it's due. It could actually push out some nice stuff but yeah all that aside um look if we're talking about music in game and including music that plays throughout the game on the amiga has to be lotus which brings us back to the original topic and i'd say all of them neil the entire lotus franchise the music is the low tie brilliant would you agree they could agree yeah they are great um yeah uh, i can't remember is lotus one of the ones where you lose a channel in the music when a sound effect has to play play? or i think one of the games you could only choose music or sound effects couldn't you you couldn't have both on one of them um i think in uh let me think lotus one you could could choose sound effects or music and you had about four or five music tracks to choose but if you did choose a music track like if you hit another car then certain sound effects would override a piece of the music so it kind of cause a break in one of the channels of the music but then it would go back um lotus like a a wet cabbage hitting a cardboard box and then (laughs) go back to the music (laughs) <laughs> Lotus 2, I don't, I can't remember how it worked. There is a difference between Lotus 2. Then they went back to the original model for Lotus 3. That's how I yeah. remember it anyway. So, what, what about Jaguar? Jaguar XG, did you play that one? Oh, well, the music was so good on that game. You didn't want sound yeah. effects ruining it. That was a thumping yeah. soundtrack. Jaguar XJ220. Yeah. Great game. I know what um, Boat has been. Boat game I've not really spent much time in. <laughs> oh, you need to have a go on that one. Yeah, I know, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do well, need to catch up you'll, on that. You'll, Sorry, probably Dave, find I interrupted. you'll probably be disappointed compared to Lotus. It's not quite up there with Lotus, but it's still a great mm. game. I, I know that um, um, I was going to say former host, but I don't like to say the word former host because I hope he comes back. Boat of Car, John Schorler, has been mm. talking about how he thinks. The Jaguar game is better than Lotus and uh, oh, the latest okay. episode of Amigos. He he thinks it's a better game than Lotus and he, he explains his reasons and you can't fault his reasons. I don't know if you can, it don't, you don't necessarily have to agree with his, with his conclusion, but he certainly got good reasons for it. So that's nice. why I mentioned the Jaguar game because he was, he was enthusing about the music. I don't know if it was the game or the music, but I remember thinking XJ220 back in the day was um, it was an altogether more relaxing game. It was more like you were on a you know a long road trip rather than a furious frantic race, and I enjoyed that about it. Um, so a bit more outrunny through that game. Yeah, yeah, more of a yeah, road trip. I probably yeah. would like it. Then I'll have to fire it. It will be installed on my A twelve hundred, so I'll just dig it out and have a play. This does make me think, though, talking about how, especially on things like the Amiga and similarly on the ST, you would lose the music once you got into the game most of the time. I'd like to know, maybe some of the viewers can help me out. When you think about things like the CDTV and the CD32 especially, were there games that really made use of CD music similar to how a PC did? Because in theory, then you've got music from the CD track, just like the PlayStation did, um, but you don't have to lose any of the four audio channels. So I'm only just now delving in because a mate of mine um, lent me some games that I'm running through emulation. Um, but I really want to find some examples where it actually uses the cd capability of a cd drive do you know what i mean well right be interested to hear what you find on that yeah Hmm. that'd be good i have i have it in my head that someone someone's told me xenon 2 works that way i know on the the amiga version of xenon 2 um the music cuts out when certain sound effects happen and it 
I thought it was really jarring. I thought, how can they let that go to production like that? It's mm. terrible. Mm. Um, I mean, they, they talk about the art, the Atari ST. The Atari ST music is nothing. It's got, it's got nothing on Xenon 2 that way. Although there is a there is an STE version of it, which does have a bitstream music on it, but it's a modern thing. Um, but yeah, the, the Xenon 2 is one for the CD32. If, if that fixes that, then it, that, that's a great fix. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll just tell you my choices very quickly, and they're not really linked directly to quality of game or quality of music. They're just personal memories, and they take me back to places where where I were when I where I were where I were when I first heard them down in <laughs> down in Dorset. Um, so, for example, Double Dragon, uh, the arcade version, because I would always hear the attract music. Uh, you know, it's a very familiar tune and it's a very short tune that's just kind of looped. But I would always hear that above and beyond everything in the arcades. So when I got the Amiga version, I was really pleased to hear that. It's kind of a low quality sample of it, but it's the arcade music looping and you can hear the point at which it loops. <laughs> it's pretty poorly stitched together, but I love that sound. Turrican 2, of course, just a, a huge soundtrack, amazing soundtrack, um, Turrican 2. And then a very simple tune is Stones, which takes us back to Ultima, which Dave mentioned. Um, Stones first appeared in Ultima 5, but the reason I love it so much is because it was the first music that played when you when you ran Ultima online. So you always heard it when you were loading and therefore kind of being transported into this huge multiplayer online world. That was the music that took you in there um and it, it always sort of built the anticipation of going into this world i loved that um and that, to take us back to covers there are some great covers as well of stones including one by david watson who is the original yolo there's a there's a character called yolo <laughs> carpe diem if we're gonna be <laughs> before the kids were using yolo uh, and, and and wow even kids that were using yolo are probably considered old now um uh, before they were using that, there was a character in Ultima called Yolo who was based on David Watson, who is a, a real life, if you like, cosplaying bard who actually makes bows and arrows for a living um, and plays the lute. And you can go and hear him play Stones because he wrote the song originally uh, on YouTube. And, and there's a link that will be in the show notes to go and listen to that. And the song has words, which I didn't know before. So you can hear the verses to it. Um, and of course, there are loads of examples like those great orchestral covers by the, uh, the C64 Orchestra, which you can find at c64audio.com. So think about your favorite video game music covers and your favorite video game music. That's going to be the question of the week uh, at the end of the show today. We're looking forward to seeing what are the top three next week. Uh, maybe we'll discover some new tunes along the way. And while you're doing that, check out Banjo Guy Ollie and all of the other musical links in the show notes today. Aero Ringers on the subreddit has alerted us to the fact that there's a new Evercade uh, that's been revealed. Um, and I'll be honest, I nearly didn't want to cover this. Not because I don't like it, but because, well, it's a link to where you buy it to, on Funstock. So is this a story or is this an advert? Uh, for a product so let me i just want to give a disclaimer up front we're not sponsored by evercade or funstock and so we're just covering this not as an endorsement of any kind but as a discussion topic and nothing more so just wanted to get it out of the way or up front. are we or are we how much have they paid just me and the other guys don't know no <laughs> seriously nothing going on um so with that out of the way yeah there is indeed a special edition evercade bundle available only through funstock again as a pre-order um and no affiliation, okay? Um, but it does actually look nice. So first of all, what's special about it? Well, it's called the Evercade EXP Limited Edition. So it's black 
And I think I'm right in saying that it's only the limited edition version that will be black. I think that's right. And that's the one that's available through Funstock. It comes with um, an IREM Arcade 1 cartridge, which has R-Type, Moon Patrol, In the Hunt, Battle uh, Chopper, Lightning Swords, 10-Yard Fight. It also comes with a Toplan Arcade 1 cartridge, which comes with uh, which includes Tiger Hell, Alcon, Guardian, Flying Shark, Truxton, Zero Wing, Snow Bros, and Techie Packy. Um, and it also comes with an exclusive hard carry case, a certificate of authenticity with signatures all over it, and I'm sure it's not fake, um, and exclusive EXP art cards, exclusive Evercade keyring, uh, key a limited ring? edition, yeah, a limited edition poster. And apparently there's some added bonus content that will be announced in September. So, of course, it has support for the existing Evercade library. But this new version, so the EXP version of the Evercade, um, it comes with a, a high-res IPS display, built-in Wi-Fi, and a new Tate mode for vertical games. So you can actually turn it sideways, um, I, I would assume, mostly for those vertical strollers, scrollers. Now, I've got to be honest with you guys, I don't actually Evercade myself, but I've watched plenty of YouTube content about them, and they do tempt me a lot. Um, it's you know a retro-inspired system that plays games from ROM cartridges that you physically slap in and play. Uh, they're licensed games. Um, yes, essentially, it's emulation, but it's very nicely done and a nicely packaged product from what I've seen. And of course, the games are collectible. You know, they're hard copy physical media in very nice boxes with retro designs on, on them, which I think is fantastic. This pack is £177.99, which in the scheme of things, I don't think isn't bad at all. Uh, it's very tempting, in fact, uh, especially for someone like myself who hasn't yet pulled the trigger. And at that price, I'd argue it's possibly also tempting for people who already have one maybe you know with the upgrades that are included so yeah first question you know do you guys ever cade <laughs> or what do you make of this neil no chris i don't ever cade i've never ever caded <laughs> never ever caded <laughs> um i have seen that the regular ever because this has been around for some time the the original sort of console sized version of it uh you could buy that on amazon you could buy that on argos in game and other suppliers in much the same way that you could buy the Amiga mini when that was distributed and still is being distributed. And that still amazes me at the moment that this retro thing is, is hitting the mainstream outlets so hard. Hmm. And I say that biting my tongue slightly because the high street is becoming less and less of the mainstream. Certainly Amazon is, but Argos is online game is online but i can't remember the last time when was the last time you bought anything from game either of you i mean chris you would have to be back in the uk i don't think they've got game in australia have they no they did have that game i oh, think it's did. still going in limited numbers doesn't do yeah. very well over here but i don't talk about game because i worked for them once and it didn't end well anyway okay i think the last <laughs> thing i bought in game was probably like something like jeff Crammon's f1 grand prix 3 back in 2000 or 2001 something silly like that uh, I really can't, you know, I, ever since when I've been in there, it's all been voucher cards or, you know, download games or Funko Pops and things like that. And uh, mm. I just walked straight back out. Dave, can you remember last time you bought anything from game? Oh, no, I I, I wouldn't go in there if you paid me. <laughs> for, for the reasons you just mentioned, download codes, vouchers and Funko Pops and all that. Yeah, and yeah. console games as well. Oh. Maybe games, for the Amiga Mini, though. Here, you know, and that's I'm, how that's gone. Yeah. yeah, I know Chris went to buy his physical 
you know, Amiga Mini instead of ordering it online. Went that's to a shop. That was so a something like that. Point. Yeah, um, maybe that's yeah. maybe that's a better. Maybe I can see why you did that. It's nice to go into a shop and pick something up that way. Yeah, rather than just so, click a button on Amazon. But on the whole, it amazes me that these outlets are, are being, you know, are catering to our retro needs so much lately. And um, yeah, the, just the whole market for it and the way in which people can revisit their gaming history and explore his, the history of gaming for the first time, the different ways of doing that, the different devices to do that with, is getting bigger and bigger. And it's just a really lovely time to be in this hobby. Um, question yeah. for you, Chris. This is the EXP model of the Evercade, which is the handheld, mm -hmm. isn't it? So will the exp be available through those same channels or is this an exclusive oh i would assume so so from from my understanding i'll, I'll put uh, there's a couple of links i'll put in the, uh, in the show notes via duncan um but i think the one that was given to us on the subreddit is the limited editions so of the black model with a certain game package together um, right. whereas going on the main evercade website there is a non-black exp edition so the original evercade was a handheld then they had the consoleized version um a oh, year that's later the second and one now, was okay yeah and so now this is an updated version of the handheld again so that's essentially what we're talking about yeah okay. but i would assume i would assume it no, not in the limited edition colors but i would assume the standard one would be available through these channels yeah right okay so that's good and and it's nice as well i've noticed that the exp version will let you play cartridges that were released for the earlier console and the earlier handheld model as well the original handheld model so you're not having to buy your cartridges and your games again cart slots in the back and generally the cartridges on the evercade are sold in compilation packs so you can get a namco pack an atari pack there's even a gremlin graphics pack which is nice it's nice to see the, the british software houses represented and it not all being about a north american view of gaming so that's really nice um and so of course it's you know it's emulation based it launches the re relevant emulator and the rom to play these games it scored pretty well in reviews from what i remember the only gotcha for me on the evercade and it is quite a big one for me is that it um it only does consoles uh, it's not going to do arcades so you can you know if you see a game that you want to play let's take double dragon for example you're not going to get that top tier arcade experience it's even it, it's bad on the evercade because D double dragon is probably one of the worst examples i can think of it's the nes version which oh, is not oh. a bad game, but if you're thinking I'm buying Double Dragon and then the NES version loads up, oh, it's a bit painful. That's going to smart. Yeah. So just be aware of that. It's not arcade emulation, so screenshots may vary, as they say. Um, and an alternative device that I picked up recently, I'm afraid I haven't got it here to show you and hold up, is something called the Miu Mini V2. Um, it's a little bit smaller than an original Game Boy in its size, but a huge amount of that is taken up by a very high quality screen. I think it cost me just over £60. So very affordable, you know, about the same price as the Mega Drive Mini 2 we were talking about last week. Hmm. It runs all of your main emulators and all of the emulators that you might expect to run in Linux. It's Linux based, so you can get those arcade games running. And it's just a really nice device for anything up to that, and including that 16-bit period. It does run the PlayStation, but it's a little bit choppy and it feels, yeah, it's not quite right. But for everything before that, everything up to that 16-bit era, the Miu Mini, and it's got to be the V2 apparently, that fixes quite a lot of issues from the earlier one. That's my recommendation. So um, if you're thinking of an Evercade, go and check that out as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't know... I don't know which way I lean on this, to be honest, because like you, like you say, there is for the Evercade, there's the consoleized version. 
And when I've looked at the two, that's the one that sticks out to me as being more tempting. It sort of looks like an NES, but isn't quite. And even the the theme that they've got going on the controller sort of harks back to that sort of look and feel. Um, but then you've got, if you look through some of the game packs, one of the games packs is um, just a, a whole compilation of Atari Lynx games. So obviously that leans very well, uh, uh, you know, strongly towards having it in handheld. Um and potentially, I'd say that's cheaper than finding yourself a good Atari Lynx to get the Evercade handheld and then get that compilation. So it would be nice. Maybe they can't. Maybe there's some patent. But um, I know you can, the handheld Evercade, you can plug into a TV because it's got HDMI out. What if you could just sit it on charge and plug two Evercade controllers in, much like the the Nintendo Switch works? That would be nice. That would be the best of both worlds. But then maybe they'd be doing themselves out of a sale um, in terms of not being able to sell the consoleized version. So I don't know which way I would go if I was to buy one, but I, I think I'm leaning toward the Evercade VS or Versus, as I call it, which is the consoleized version, because you could buy that instead of an army of, of minis. What do you think, Dave? Um. I certainly wouldn't get the, the consoleized version. I've got a mm. a multi system, and it, it's it, I mean, yeah, yeah. Why, why, why would you get a burger if you give, if you've got steak? Um, I um, I, I, I'm not really into handhelds, and I, I'm not really into consoles, so it's not really my kind of thing. However, looking at that Evercade, it looks great. It looks like a nice thing to own. It, it looks really, it, it's pretty. It's um, well made. Um, and I like the idea of, of kind of digital detox. So I like the idea of I, I've got a, a, a room where there's a record player, where my books are, the magazines, even reading them electronically feels like digital detox. And I reckon that's just what the Evercade would be with its changeable cartridge packs. It means you're not going online to get ROMs and so on. You put it in, you're, it's not quite the same uh, as um, the modern way. So I think it strikes the right balance between the tactile feel of changing games but with convenience because you're not having to slot each game in and out. Um, you've got a pack of them. So so the price seems good. So I, I was a little bit tempted by it initially, but if I was only to have one hand handheld, then this looks a good one. Or the the Mayu that I've seen Neil had, which is mostly screen, but I don't think I'll ever have a handheld. I've got too many other things that I don't use. So yeah, this would be spend another one. But when, when Neil talked about retro in the mainstream, I do really understand why. I feel modern gaming's gone in a direction which has left a lot behind, but more importantly, it's so dependent on being connected, online downloads, DLC, coins, gems, all the rest of it. But you can trust when you load a game like Double Dragon, then the disappointment will be it's a NES version. It's not going to ask you to watch an advert to unlock the baseball bat. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, I'm still on the fence. I've got so many systems and I can't play them all at once. Uh, but I do like things like this. I like um, things like this. And also your Mr. Multisystem, uh, Neil. I, I just love that these things exist, that the projects like this exist. And especially when they hit retail stores, that's just fantastic. Yes, we can download and play retro games on PC or on model consoles. Um, but, you know, there's something very special, I think, about purpose-built hardware. So, yep, do check it out. No affiliation. Duke Nukem movie. A Duke Nukem film seems to have been in and out of the oven even longer than Duke Nukem Forever game. And on the subreddit this week, Dr. Local. Um, I don't know if that's a local doctor or, or what, but Dr. Local has submitted a story. Um, 
And from the, the the late 90s onwards, there's been the occasional talk about a movie from this franchise. So for those of you who don't know much about the Duke, Duke Nukem franchise, in 1991, Apogee had a platform shooter called Duke Nukem, which was, for that genre, it was a reasonable success, but it's not a big genre. Uh, and then had a sequel. And then when they went to Duke Nukem 3 in 1996, they added the usually disastrous D to the end of it and went 3D. And that usually killed off a franchise, but it didn't. This time, instead of going wrong, it went right in so many ways. And Duke Nukem 3 is one of the most successful games. It's an FPS shooter with a charismatic, but definitely offensive character, Duke, who is a parody of action heroes from films. Um, a deliberate parody that I don't think they're really reveling in his misogyny so much i think you're kind of laughing at how ridiculous he is it was almost like the expendables before the expendables in a video game format wasn't it mm. 20 yeah. years before that movie yeah yeah that's true um it's a favorite of mine i know it's a favorite of chris and i'm sure neil as well and if you watch lgr he loves doing the voice and neil you've even interviewed the voice behind it I have, um, yep. but duke nukem forever which was announced in 1997 so just shortly after uh, Duke Nukem 3D, which was such a huge success. Duke Nukem Forever was announced in 1997, and it took 14 years to appear in 2011, and is universally regarded as an abject failure in terms of game development. Although the actual game itself isn't that bad, but it was so overshadowed by how how the development hell it went through that it it, it, it was it, it killed off the franchise. Yeah, we talked about this recently, didn't we? And mm. discovered that both Chris and I actually quite enjoyed the game. It sounds like yeah. you don't think it's too bad either, Dave. And um, yeah, it, it but it, it it didn't live up to expectations. And how could it? No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the story was already written before it came out. It was going to be a... By 2011, it was going to be a failure, no matter how good it was. Um, so it, it did more or less kill off the franchise. There, there has been more games, but not not really very any that really set the heather in fire. Um, it was even an appearance in uh, 2018 film Ready Player One, but he's nothing like the star he was in the late 90s. Now, I see... I see lots of movies. I see one a week. Uh, the cinema is a, a great place to de-stress. So I've been to see lots of films, but I mostly avoid games, uh, games films. I most avoid films that are made from games. I, I find storytelling in games is usually bad enough, but when you try to expand it to the big screen, it doesn't go too well. So I had a look back over the years and I thought, what movies have come from games to see if there's, I can find out if I'm misremembering, if there's any good ones. So I went to IMDB and I looked at what they rated the best movie is and surprisingly enough it's Warcraft from 2016 I've seen the trailer for this and I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole it only gets 6.7 on IMDB so it's not a great score but that's the highest there is but the audience on Metacritic give it a 32 which means it's rotten so I thought I'd look down further the list I thought what, what's what's the, the highest the highest position with the highest audio the highest audience score there and it's Angry Birds Movie 2. So, no, absolutely no. I'm not watching that. I've seen I've seen a few movies that are good, though, a few game movies that are okay. Uh, I mean, they're, they're not great, but they're fine to watch. Um, I saw Uncharted this year, and it's fine. It's nothing special, but it's fine. Uh, I've seen the Tomb Raider movies with Angelina Jolie, and again, they're fine. I think there's, there's a two of those. Uh, I'm sure there's more than one. Um, 
and I did find out there's a new one from 2018 with a different actor, supposedly a little of a, a darker tone to it. So I'll need to have that a look. I, I do like the the archaeology Indiana Jones type type movies. I don't know if anyone's seen that. Um, but the Duke Nukem movie could be closer than ever with Legendary Entertainment announcing this month that they've bought the rights to make the film from Gearbox. Out of interest, did this list not include the Resident Evil franchise at all? It did. It did. And Resident Evil was was fairly high up the list. I've not seen them. Um, so I, I don't know. They, they were fairly up the list, but they weren't as good as Warcraft. And they weren't <laughs> as well liked by the audience as Angry Birds Movie 2. Um, well, I don't know if that means that you know when 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 they make something the fans the hardcore fans are always disappointed they're never satisfied I wonder mm-hmm. if that's why the Resident Evil, Evil movies aren't so well liked or maybe they're just not very good <laughs> um, so um, the rights have been bought from Gearbox now these guys are the team behind the the pretty successful retro themed show Cobra Kai which I have not seen um, how have I'm you not sure seen that? It's a great I know, series. I, you, you talk about it all the time. Yeah. Well, I will. Fantastic um, series. <laughs> it's a sequel to the 1984 kill, four, four film Karate Kid. And I've not seen Cobra Kai, but I know that someone here is a fan of it. I know that two people here now are a fan of it. Uh, Neil, you watch Cobra Kai. Can you remember anything about it? I'm not, I'm not going to ask you for character names or plot, but is it good <laughs> TV? And would you trust Would you trust the same guys with Duke Nukem? Fighting. Kids fighting in schools. Kids fighting outside of school. <laughs> punching in the face yeah i remember it all that's the storyline um it's uh it's cheesy um I, i'd have to correct you dave it's not the sequel to karate kid because you had karate kid two and three and then you had the reboot with um will smith's son didn't you uh yeah. so it, it's a it's spin-off a sequel it's a spin-off series um uh yeah i guess it's a sequel because it's got daniel san and um you know the other one uh what's the johnny. other one's called johnny, johnny thank you yeah, it's Johnny. Johnny from Cobra Johnny, Kai. Johnny the Cat. Um, and the original <laughs> sensei. Of course, Miyagi's no longer around, so he's not in it. Um, yes, they've done a great job of that. I mean, it's up there with the new Top Gun in terms of just cheesiness and callbacks to the originals. And, you know, it does it a good service, I think, the original story, without taking itself too seriously. And how can you take Duke Nukem seriously? You just can't. So if they can have a bit of fun with Cobra Kai, they can certainly do it with Duke Nukem. Um, I'm just going to have a bit of story time now uh, on this topic. I've got my I've got my book here, Retro Tea Breaks, Volume 1, Selected Interviews uh, in Conversation with Computer and Video Game Pioneers, available at rmcretro.store. <laughs> and um, oh, Dave's got it as well. And um, I've got it open just because uh, you mentioned that interview with the voice of Duke Nukem, John St. John. And I asked him about the movie. So this was his his answer to uh, what do you know about the movie? He said, oh, yeah, there, there, there was. Absolutely. It was in the works with, I believe, Paramount. Michael Bay was set as director and they were talking about John Cena. So that's the, the wrestler uh, playing the part of Duke. But as it turns out, and I'm quite pleased with this, Gearbox pulled the plug on that because I guess it was going to Hollywood and the story was being too corrupted. The character was being corrupted into something silly, and that's not who Duke is. Thank you, Randy Pitchford, who was the uh, the co-founder of Gearbox Software, uh, for Sorry. pulling the plug. Oh, you got you got Johnny there causing you problems. Um, thank no, you, Randy his name. Pitchford, Randy. for. Uh, um uh, well uh, on, on that note i did used to work with a, a chap once upon a time when i was a young man called randy neighbors 
he was American. <laughs> he came over and, and and he was quite senior and I had to keep a straight face when he shook my hand and introduced himself as Randy Neighbors. Anyway, um, <laughs> So, uh, John goes on to say, thank you, Randy Pitchford, for pulling the plug, because what I ultimately would love is an R-rated, computer-generated Duke Nukem movie. Not only because I get to do the voice, uh, but because it stays true to the character. You don't have to change his look. Duke would look exactly like he's supposed to, and in CG land, absolutely everything can and anything can happen. So why wouldn't you make a CG R-rated Duke movie so that's his opinion on it he wants to see a cgi movie um and also other names that have been associated with the film are producers lawrence kasanoff scott fay and jean julian baronet they've all been associated with it at different times so um yeah this is, has been in the works and for almost for as long as duke nukem forever by the sounds of it yeah um in terms of duke as a character Yes, he would come across as basically as your sexist old uncle now, wouldn't he? It just just wouldn't work. He would have to um, you'd have to find a new angle. I don't it could still be Duke and could he still be Duke? I don't know. Discuss. <laughs> um, I, I do agree in the sexist old uncle thing It is a little bit out of date, um, but maybe they can do something with the awareness of it. John Senna um, has done a TV series recently called Peacemaker. And it's pretty close. His character in there is pretty close to Duke Nukem. Um, I wonder if, if he's aware of the link there, if he was talking about being Duke Nukem and then being Peacemaker. Um, he's really quite out of date, and they make a thing about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still the hero in it, so maybe that's the line they, they could walk. I, I don't know. I don't know if you um, noticed when you watch Top Top Gun. I was going to say Top Gear. When you watch Top Gun... You know, they'd, they'd had to do a similar thing because, you know, Tom Cruise's character in the 80s, it was a very different world to today. And so there was a little nod to that. For example, at the end when he decides, okay, spoiler here, if you're going to watch the movie, just put your fingers in your ears for a minute. When he decides he's going to stick with the woman, he's going to go to the woman and he's going to get her back and tell her, you know, this is it. We're going to be a thing forevermore. He goes to her house and she's not there. And then a few minutes later, she comes to him on her terms with her sexy Porsche car uh, and and goes, yeah, okay, we're going to do this. But it's it's her doing it on her terms, not just him turning up and going, I'm Tom Cruise. I can do this because she's a woman and she's, you know, she can't resist me. You know, times have moved on. So just things like that are a nice little nod. Um, would that work with Duke? Hmm. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Chris, would would watching a Duke Nukem movie scratch your FPS itch, or is this a stupid idea? And if so, what would be your game franchise to turn into a film? Yeah, well, I mean, I absolutely love, as previously discussed, Duke Nukem 3D. Um, and the, the, the problem with this, I, I like the idea. Uh, you know, let's get that out of the way. I, um, but Duke is a game about movies you know that's the whole idea of the character is it's taking the mickey out of movie characters so now we're talking about making a movie about a game about movies so it's almost as if they didn't get the joke (laughs) which is a bit of a worry um but i mean if it's picked up by the guys that you know did cobra kai i absolutely loved cobra kai fantastic franchise and um just as neil pointed out they didn't take themselves too seriously and i think that's why it worked and it had all those shout outs and those nostalgia hits they threw in you know um some clips from the original movies and then just took the characters forward 
but not in a serious way because I don't think you could get away with that. And they did make fun of some of the, you know, the sort of mentality from that period as well. And they did it so well. So if anybody can pull this off, I think these are, in fact, the right guys. Um, but uh, I don't know. Personally, I'm going to say it. I, do, I don't think it needs to be a, a 2022 uh, politically correct friendly reboot in my personal opinion um if they're gonna do it you know do it right don't hold back let duke be the irreverent relic from a time you know where you could actually speak your mind and people may choose to not choose to get offended um but you know if necessary like we've already said maybe a thin veil of a story that points out that that's perhaps not acceptable in today's society apparently um anymore uh, sorry i have to say i am the inappropriate sexist uncle in the room here so i like i like that sometimes we can you know use something like this as a bit of an excuse to have a look back at the past and if we're laughing with the character or at the character i don't care but let's just let's just have some fun with it um but yeah in, in terms of uh movies that um you know uh, sorry games that i would like to see made into a movie again we've covered this topic before but it has to be Wolfenstein. It's the first one that comes to mind for me. You know, a World War II movie that then slides into horror would be amazing. So again, I think more about Return to Castle Wolfenstein than Wolfenstein 3D. And that has almost been done in the movie called Overlord, which is a, a fantastic movie. I recommend you watch it. It isn't an official Wolfenstein movie, but that is essentially the storyline. It's a World War II movie when you first go into it, and then it takes a very dark tangent. Very, very enjoyable flick. Yeah, that's my thoughts. I think um I think with the idea of Duke being Duke from the 90s, it would work as a film um mm. if it was self-aware that that's how Duke was and there were kind of consequences for his actions. So, you know, he did come across as the slightly sexist old uncle and then he got, you know, slapped him back in the face afterwards, you know. Mm. That that yeah. could work. They could have some fun with it. Yeah. I think so. I, I, I even I mean we mustn't mistake that in the 90s when we when we played Duke we knew he was wrong and it, it wasn't someone mm. it, this wasn't someone saying this is how this is this is right that his opinions are right we never we never really believed he was uh he was um never believed it was it was right back then so we're not we're not looking now to we don't have to now say oh we thought this was okay and now we don't we never thought it was okay what he said yeah. was, was never was never politically correct it was all, that that was the joke the joke was that he was so out of date and ridiculous um, that's true exactly yeah. he was Wolfenstein, a caricature of, way, those, of those other of those movie characters yeah. he was a caricature yeah. of those exactly yeah 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 um cobra kai is is very highly related very highly rated on both imdb with 8.6 and on the audience score on metacritic with 8.3 so it's way better than any of those films i've mentioned in either rating so this team can really make good entertainment and if we're going to be entertained by duke Nukem, then this is probably the best chance we'll get to get the film out and to get the film made well although i'm still not convinced it should be made at all it's time now for our community question of the week. You can participate at reddit.com forward slash r forward slash this week in retro, where you can find the pinned question of the week and um, submit your answers. And also you can submit news. And we were a little bit short of uh, news this week. We didn't have so many submissions. I, I blame the nice weather that we've had this week. So uh, if you want to um, share with us your uh, your favorite retro stories of the week or just any news that you've come across that you'd like us to discuss, 
pop it on our subreddit and we'll pick it up from there. So our community question of the week this week is, uh, it's kind of a, a two-parter. First of all, what's your favorite video game music? And what's your favorite video game music cover? The two may indeed be linked. It might be the your favorite music and then your favorite music covered by someone who's done it really well. Include links in your answers. And um, if we're able to get permission, we'll, we'll get Duncan to play them when we read through those uh, questions next week. And I've just realized we usually ask the question after we've read last week's questions answers, don't oh, we? I've we done should things in the wrong that. order this week. <laughs> so uh, I will re-ask that question afterwards, but let's get into last week's community question of the week, which was, Dave, you're going to read that out now. After our chat about what Stranger Things got right about the 80s, we were wondering what other game, movie, TV show, piece of music or music video puts you right back in the 80s. Is there a single sound or image that transports you back, perhaps? So the top answer um, is from Dave Dev Retro. Neil. Dave De Dev Retro says, it's really weird, but the one song that drops me back into the 80s is Part-Time Lover by Stevie Wonder. For some reason, I have a hard-rooted memory of coming home from an unusually good day at school, putting Radio 1 on and that song playing. It was the height of summer, a cool breeze blowing through the window, and somehow it just locked in as, it's all good, man. It's all good. So yeah, the song has a cool vibe. It's not played excessively, and I just get the feeling again every time I hear it of being young, free, and happy. What a sap, eh? He says. No, not a sap at all. I think that's uh, a really nice answer. And I, I have similar memories, actually, of Radio 1 on a little boombox on the side in the kitchen, the front and back doors being open with the, you know, a nice breeze coming through and like Bruno, Bru Bruno Brooks doing the chart show or something like that. Um, just, yeah, happy memories. Yeah. Chris, what's the next answer? Uh, so this is by Thin on Top 84. Uh, and he says, first time caller, long time listener. So thanks for listening <laughs> uh, for so long and good, good to hear your feedback on this question. So he says, Halt and Catch Fire is a lesser known and underrated gem of a TV series which offers a fictionalized look into the frantic development of computing in the 1980s and the early days of the internet in the 1990s. The show is a wild ride over four seasons with plenty of nostalgic inducing content. It's a shame it didn't amass more of a following when it first aired well worth a look. That does sound worth a look. Absolutely. Dave? The final answer for today is from our friend Richard Shears. Hello, Rich. How are you doing? Um, the TV show that came straight to mind when the question was asked was Red Dwarf. One of the few shows that would make me turn off my Amiga back in 88. Not only did it make me laugh, um, but also set my imagination in overdrive of what could be. I still watch them all repeatedly to this day, mm. which is why I picked it over the very close second, which is rather predictably tomorrow's world. Mm. Nothing has ever made my imagination wonder of what could be more than this show. The world seems so full of promise and everything's exciting with endless possibilities. Yeah, I, I definitely agree in tomorrow's world. It was so, so positive. So that this is what we're going to have in the future. And I'm, I would be surprised if there's few people 
watching this who don't like Red Dwarf. It's, it's such a great, such a great TV program. Got um, on DVD. I, I'm yeah. remembering a scene where they they have a massive floppy disk to load into something. <laughs> um, I don't know if maybe Duncan put a still on that, but um, yeah, Red Dwarf. So many good memories about that. It's such a good thing, and it, it's there's such, such there's, there's so many things about nostalgia in it. Even if it's just saying we've run out of shaking back, um, all those types of things. And I think, yeah, the, the common thread that runs through all of these answers and a lot of answers that we get, um, which is so tightly linked to nostalgia, is just memories that give you a sense of hope, I guess. You're young, mm. you're carefree, and you've just, you know, you're just filled with hope for what's going to come next and what what's the world's um, going to bring us. And, and tomorrow's world is a great example of that. Look how amazing the world is going to be in 10 years' time when you've all got, you know, flying cars and things like that. Um Good, good times, good memories. Now, um, I have already read the question of the week. I'll just say it again quickly. What's your favorite video game music? What's your favorite video game music cover? Perhaps they're the same. They don't have to be the same song and the, and the cover of that song. Put the links over at reddit.com forward slash r forward slash this week in retro. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Dave and Chris, as always, for being wonderful hosts with me. And we'll see Bye. you all next week. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. This Week in Retro was presented by Neil from RMC The Cave, Chris from 005 Agima, and Dave. It was produced by me, Duncan Styles. podcast version of the show is available through your favourite podcaster, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the video version is available on the This Week in Retro YouTube channel. Join our community subreddit at r slash thisweekinretro to suggest and vote on the stories we cover on the show. If you watch This Week in Retro on YouTube, please give us a like and subscribe to help us reach new viewers. If you enjoy our show and would like to support it, then please check out the link to our Patreon page in the show notes or description. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time for more up-to-date news for out-of-date tech.